0: Welcome to Inspired by Her, the podcast that will give you the inspiration, motivation and tips for success from some of the top executives, CEOs and influencers from around the globe with your host, serial entrepreneur and named one of the most influential Filipina in the world, Kate Hancock.
1: And we are live. Hi everyone, this is Kate Hancock and today I have Rana Guzral. Hi Rana.
0: Hi Kate, how's it going?
1: doing well it's great seeing you everyone rana is an entrepreneur speaker investor and ceo at behavioral signals an emotional an emotion ai and behavioral recognition software company now in 2014 rana founded tice did i say yes i was (laughs) i'm not sure a cloud software for specialty Chemicals and held the role of CEO until his exit when Ties was acquired by Alchemy. Now, Rana has been awarded the Entrepreneur of the Month by CIO Magazine, AI Entrepreneur to Watch by Inc. Magazine, and Top 10 Entrepreneurs to Follow in 2017 by Half Post. Rana, welcome.
0: Thank you, Kate. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good to be here. And good yeah. to see you after after a while. I know. That's it's been
1: time. can you believe it's been a year I saw you in, yeah. in,
0: Was it? It's yes. really has it has it been a year?
1: It's been a year. We were in Palo Alto. Was that in Palo Alto?
0: Yes. I think uh was in a bar. close to Palo Alto, maybe Redwood City, Palo Alto, that neighborhood. Yes. yes. Right. Yes. yes.
1: So Rana, I'm so fascinated by your work. Um, but before we gonna talk about it. What was your journey like to get where you
0: are? Uh, That's a great question. What's the journey like? So, you know, I think um, in terms of choices being made, um, and that's really what's driven the journey today. uh, For me, um, I I need to constantly learn and do things that uh, pushes me to towards learning new skills that I currently don't have. And so for me, I have this, like, I have this internal gauge that goes off, which sort of, uh, you know, when I feel like I've hit the ceiling of where I'm at right now in terms of uh, my, my core skills and the value creation that I'm actually affecting. And when that happens, I'm out. And uh, it doesn't matter what it is and where I'm at. And, you know, if it's a career track of X or Z or, you know, there's a financial question has never really been important to me. And so for me, it's always been, you know, what's the, what's the goal at hand and where I'm at with, you know, with that, with that sort of uh, with that goal and self fulfillment towards that. And, um, and that's led me to make some really bold choices. Right. So I, uh, i i've sort of done that both in corporate and also outside of that you know when uh when given the opportunity i uh left a very cushy, uh you know upward uh sea level trajectory in corporate to go to a very uncertain private equity back turnaround which was full of risk. It was almost um like an impossible task, but the challenge of sort of taking it on and you know getting it from Dead to thriving was was tremendous. So that in itself was the payback, right? Which is mm-hmm. like, okay, let's it's gonna learn tremendously through that process. So that's what I did, and then uh, once that happened again, sort of uh, at that point, it was, you know, am I really interested in scaling this uh, or going off to a next challenge? And at that point, it was, well, let's do a startup, which is a whole new challenge, right? I mean, it's a different ball game. Um, of moving a needle for a business unit from say, you know, you're, you're doing a couple hundred million dollars and now you got to improve it to by 10%, 20%. It's really hard to do that. Uh, but uh, building the first 10 mil in a startup is much harder. You know, the yeah. ones who have done it would know and the ones who haven't have no clue what I'm talking about. Right. So just taking an idea and getting it out there and bringing the first million and then then taking from one to 10, it's so hard. It's probably the hardest thing in the entire world, uh, which we entrepreneurs deal with. And so, uh, you know, so for me, it's like, okay, now I've done that. Let's go do that. Now that's happening. Let's go to, do, go do something else. And, uh, so that's been my journey. I mean, it's been, you know, uh, sort of, uh, um, Looking at that internal gauge, and then uh, going off to the next challenge, and uh, that's that's life.
1: Amazing. Now, Rana, <laughs> are you always been fascinated with technology? Tell me when you were growing yeah. up.
0: Yeah, I I, I was, but uh, there's actually a really interesting story uh, of my childhood. Um, so I grew up in a family of doctors, um, and I mean the history is that. You know, uh, my my parents grew up in the pre-partition India, which, uh, as you know, when the partition happened, there was this uh, mega genocide, uh, you know, between the two countries where, uh, you know, a portion of population, which was now uh, not India anymore, it was Pakistan, were moving to India and India from Pakistan. And so millions were killed, right? Several millions happened. And so I grew up through that, you know, that sort of um, i guess uh, that her- you know heritage of sort of uh, losing everything right so my grandparents who were a successful doctors uh, lost everything were in a refugee camp and grew up from that um, raised three sons with uh, a tremendous work ethic and all three sons were successful doctors so i grew up in a very patriarchal uh, asian minded household where Um, you know, carrying your family tradition to the next level was everything. So I grew up always wanting to be a doctor. I mean, uh, that's the only thing I knew. And that's the only thing I learned. And then um, I got my first PC, I believe in high school. And at that point, something changed. And I was like, you know, I'm going to not be a doctor. I'm going to go do computer science. And so that is when the switch happened. And, you know, I, I made that choice and I, uh, you know, uh, I I went against the grain and everybody was incredibly unhappy. Uh, There was a lot of drama and chaos. uh, There's a whole backstory to it, which we'll get into at some other point in terms of sort of what I had to do to prove myself. I had to actually sit through two entrance exams, both on engineering on the medical side, which was incredibly difficult. And just to prove that I could, and I, I actually got into a medical school just to show that I can uh, and with no desire to get in. And so I sat into both medical and engineering entrance exams. uh, And the whole purpose was to prove a point to the family that it's possible, but I have no desire to go there. Um, Yeah. So, but from that point on, I've always been fascinated by technology and uh, I feel I've I've made the right choice. I think I've been a horrible doctor <laughs> i don't think i don't think that would have been worked out good for me or the society
1: <laughs> that's amazing story how you like wanted them to be happy like look i could get in but i'm going to this path
0: yeah i mean it, it's i mean it's different i, I kind of sometimes i think about it right so that mindset of doing something just to uh, make your parents uh happy, uh, or not just happy, I guess, you know, to uh, sort of uh, prove a point of achievement uh, was so important. And now at this point of time, I mean, we look around it, I mean, uh, you would find that incredibly silly. It's like you, Mm. you wasted that much time and effort to go prove a point really yeah and uh it was a different world it was a different world it was a different set of beliefs uh you know growing up in that part of the world i think you know uh, you relate you understand to it i think we've sort of let those values slide uh i don't think any of those things are important anymore it's a very inward selfish individualistic minded society of what's good for me is what i should live for um and first and foremost that's important and then You know, it it shouldn't matter to you what others think about you. Um, And to some extent, I agree with that. Uh, But I also feel that, you know, um, there 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 were different cultural values which are still very important for us to hold on tight towards. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Now, Rana, could you define AI in the simplest terms possible?
0: Yeah. So I think the simple definition of AI is really a capability, that we are building onto machines and inanimate systems that currently we as humans are just happen to be better at. Mm -hmm. And it could be really anything, right? So for example, it could be speech, it could be visual, or, you know, it could be cognitive or uh, other aspects of uh, quantitative processing, uh, or it could actually be a physical task whatever that might be so if you get into a robotics so there's there's a lot of different things we humans do very well uh today uh better than anything else out there including machines and but when we're looking at and you know sort of codifying those abilities inside a machine or inside a software system and bringing their ability to match humans uh that's an aspect of ai which we call intelligence or artificial intelligence um that uh, you know that we are creating as humans into a machine
1: wow now can you tell me i was looking at your website i'm so fascinated by your work rana it's amazing and i think you shared some stories when we were, uh, were hanging out in san francisco a year ago and i could not forget about it about like you know people calling a customer service and the ai could could read the voice just the voice and you were able to collect more debt can you share me that story again
0: yeah so well like first off what we do is we we focus on a piece of technology it's deep tech um, that is unraveling insights from tone of voice right so when we're having conversations um we as humans have a natural ability to understand language, which when we put into a software system is natural language processing, you know, and a part of that is taking that audio, which I'm hearing and converting using the language processing in my head into meaning into words, which then I understand what is Kate saying and how am I responding back to you? And you're sort of relating to that, but a conversation is much more than that, right? Uh, We're also trying to relate to each other, right? So my Uh, part of my brain is processing how you're saying something, right? Uh, How do you feel uh, when you say X or Y? And what is your emotion or behavior at a given moment of time uh, around the words you're choosing to use and your cognitive state of mind? And I'm trying to relate to that and you're trying to relate to mine. And that's what makes a conversation a conversation and so what we do is we focus on that part we focus on the unsaid we go behind the actual words into the you know the how the words are spoken and we unravel a variety of insights from that so we unravel emotions such as anger happiness sadness behaviors such as engagement empathy politeness and we go as far as also predicting intent so for example predicting how you're going to act in the near future. So for example, if you apply this technology into say um, a call center or a a sales call with a client, um, we can predict if a client will buy or not buy uh, or if a debt holder will pay their debt or not pay their debt within the first 30 seconds of the conversation. And, And that prediction is made on the analysis of state of mind and signal detection, which is actually beyond language, which means we actually don't care about what you're saying. And if we don't even take that audio and convert that into words, um, and it doesn't matter to us, and nor does it matter what language you're speaking in. Uh, just listening to way you're talking, we can get inside uh, your state of mind and make those predictions and also unravel a variety of other insights. So, it's an incredibly powerful set of capabilities that can be applied to augment and enhance conversations between two humans in a business context, maximizing that that engagement, improving customer satisfaction, and also, you know, whatever business outcome that you're shooting for.
1: That's amazing. We were just having this conversation yesterday when we were in a hotel, right? We're in a hotel and we tried to we tried to order breakfast and the front desk like, oh, it's already, you're seven minutes late. The emotional intelligence is not there. So I was complaining, like you have such a nice hotel and your customer service doesn't match with the architecture. Like Mm -hmm. this is when AI could play out so nice. Right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I think so. I I agree. I think relating to, um, the state of mind is uh, the next. Um, I'd say the barrier the conversational AI and NLP systems have to cross. Um, we've we've done a lot of good things, uh, you know, in, in this space, but I think we're definitely reaching a plateau, and I think that's that's the that's the next goal for us.
1: Yeah. Now, can you tell me about the behavioral profile pairing?
0: Yes, absolutely. So behavioral profile pairing is an incredible solution that we have brought to market. At the core, what we're doing is we are, we are uh, doing AI mediated conversations mm-hmm. and using our specialized uh, technology uh, to understand the state of mind based on the tone of voice, uh, we do personality or behavioral profiling of the participants. And based on that, we, we match the right agent to, with the right customer at hand. And so the goal there is that if you are going to talk to a client uh, towards a business outcome and, uh, you know, you're going to have these conversations, uh, how are you going to make that determination on who is going to speak with who uh, from an agent versus a client perspective? So today, for the most part, it's random, right? It's first come, first served. Uh, the first agent available takes that call. You know, and and has a conversation with the, individ- with the with the with the client, and even when you are doing outbound calls, you know, you're randomly given a set of clients and say, "Hey, here's your clients. Go deal with them." But what we do is we bring a completely new set of intelligence intelligence in it. We uh, we decide based on a variety of personality attributes who's the best person for the job here, and it's not based on whether you're a good agent or a bad agent, or a good salesperson or an average salesperson. It's really who you are and how you speak, how you convey something, and how your emotional attributes sort of uh, exist in a mix, and and what's the best uh, what's the best uh, set of skills needed for this particular conversation, and so that's what the behavioral profile pairing solutions about. It's really at the core uh, a matching engine between agents and clients, which uh, which we have very, uh, you know, customized it for banks and for financial institutions. And we're applying it very heavily into the collections and collections call centers.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Now, can you think me, what is the retail's future with AI in this global pandemic?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, um, there's uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, I, I'd say... Changes happening on the retail side, tremendous. I mean, you've certainly sort of seen the whole e-tail going, yeah. uh, you know, off you know, off the charts, uh, just because people simply can't really physically be in stores. Mm-hmm. But I think, in general, whether you're shopping online or you're, you know, uh, you're you're actually, uh, you know, in a physical store, one of the big uh, things you're trying to understand as a business or as a retailer is how a customer feels about a certain brand or, or a certain product. Um, but but how do you do that, right? I mean, how do you do that? I mean, you can ask the client uh, or, you know, you could gauge their actions and that's typically how we do it. Uh, but if you hear a client um, Interacting with a device and speak uh, in certain ways and then you can understand the state of mind just by simply listening to the you know uh, the, the the client's uh, description of the product uh, you have a much better sense of sort of how they relate to that brand how do they relate to that product and so those applications are I mean as a business we're not focused there we're not really you know, building the solutions, but that can certainly something uh, which can add tremendous value in a retail experience. Because emotion AI and behavioral AI is very applicable in multitude of industries in multiple different verticals and variety of different use cases.
1: Yeah, I could just imagine, like, especially if you're shopping online, I was thinking, do you think it's going to be a voice where you can just talk, there's going to be a microphone while you're shopping? And then your customer journey will be better rather than you clicking. Because that's hard to achieve. Like, going through the customer journey of shopping online, there's so many steps. So, like, I would think, mm-hmm. like, AI is like your sales funnel, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it. it, it is. Uh, AI is definitely a big part of your sales funnel. Uh, it is... Uh, it is really going. I mean, look, I mean, for a sales funnel, we we're uh, we're always looking at insights, we're looking at understanding the journeys and the behaviors. Um, and uh the role that AI tends to play typically, and I think you know, for the most part, when people think of AI, they think about uh you know uh, a supernatural ability in a machine. But at the core for the most part, AI is really solving for automation and it's removing errors and it's removing randomness and it's removing the manual, you know, um, sort of uh, piece in that equation to minimize errors. So in some ways, yes, it's replacing what a human can do uh, to allow uh, for it to be more repeatable and less error prone. But for the most part, it's Uh, replacing randomness. It's not replacing a human. It's replacing something that uh, is done in a very crude fashion or, you know, in a very, I'd say, uh, unsophisticated fashion. And now you have an ability to do it in a more systemized manner. So that's probably a bigger implementation of AI versus replacing a human. And the other bigger, important thing that AI can help with is automate mundane tasks, which is, you know, hey, um, you know, you have a system that's listening to a conversation and summarizing it in notes and presenting it to the agent and saying, hey, do you wanna edit something or not? But I've sort of taken the core pieces of the conversation and and I pieced it together for you to look at. That's that's stuff that agent can do, but an agent would rather not do because it takes a lot of time and takes a lot of effort. So the goal really, for the most part, whether you're talking about retail or you're talking about call centers or you're talking about really any other implementation, is not to replace a human; it's really augment a human by automating, by replacing a manual task or replacing a more uh, randomized uh, occurrence.
1: Yeah, I've been. Yeah, I love. I actually utilize chatbots in my site or on Facebook Messenger because I will get five hundred messages at one time. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I use the chatbots, and it helps me, and it's accurate. Of like, instead of you, imagine how many people do you need like responding that same question over and over again
0: mm-hmm. yeah not exactly i mean yeah, there's also uh you know uh, a preference based on you know how, how you know uh, the sort of the age brackets right so the the younger population uh, really prefers not to pick the phone up and talk i mean they want to control Uh, their engagements through text and through email and they feel they're more in control that way. It's natural for them. Um, But that doesn't replace voice conversations. I mean, voice conversations are still going to be incredibly important, but uh, there's multiple, I mean, there's multiple different avenues of interaction. And when you're looking at AI, it's sort of looking at and saying, well, how do I optimize this? And how do I optimize that? How do I take this level of experience and take it to the next level? And so there's different ways to add value. And certainly we play, our focus is mostly on voice interactions, which is typically more high-valued, high-stakes interaction where you have to talk to a client. And uh, now even with this digital push into more text and chat, um, the the conversations that you are having uh, through voice uh, are becoming more high-stakes because, you know, you have less opportunity to speak with this client ever again you want to resolve whatever you're trying to and achieve whatever outcomes you're trying to in this particular instance, because you may never get to speak with this client again. Mm -hmm. And so all of those other tools that were sort of like, you know, gathering analytics and sort of uh, post-call analysis are less relevant because how are they going to help you if you're never going to talk to that client ever again? So while you're on that call, how can AI help you? How can you salvage that bad situation? Or if it's a good situation, really capitalize on that and make that next sale. Um, and those are, I mean, those are the, some, of them, some of the specialized tools that we're focused on, um, you know, to, to maximize those interactions.
1: That's awesome. Now, can you tell me about your Oliver API and how did you come up with that name? Is that
0: something- <laughs> yeah, so uh, Oliver API is um, essentially our core technology stack that we make available to uh you know certain select institutions uh mostly academic and also certain nonprofits. so we do have this uh you know focus on research that is very close to our dna it's very close to the genesis of our company uh, the company was founded by uh, three amazing scientists who you know have uh, have done tremendous work in the arena of uh, voice and voice interaction and linguistics and so, with that, we want to continue as we are, you know, pushing our our, our commercial focus in, you know, and uh, building these products for for the market. Uh, we also want to make sure that the technology that we have developed uh, can be applied in other use cases that we currently are not focused on business perspective. And so, that's what Oliver API is. It's uh, it's really uh, our our technology stack that's available to you know, students or uh, researchers or scientists or companies that are working on nonprofit initiatives to leverage what we have built and experiment with it and build exciting, interesting use cases on it.
1: Wow, wow. Now, what recommendations would you give to CEO who haven't started looking into AI yet?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I think uh, this is um, the probably the best time uh, ever to go build a business around a specialized AI capability. Um, It's come a long way. I mean, we've been talking about AI for the last 20 years or so in in a variety of different forms. I mean, it feels like it's brand new, but it's not. There's been work which which spans over two decades, Um, but there's been a point of inflection that's happened in the last five to seven years. And that's because, The ecosystem around us has matured uh, to a point where we can actually now benefit from some of these capabilities right so just connectivity in general like you know and that's is really stable or you know 5g and other aspects that now allow us to really build uh, experiences around connected devices computers have become really really powerful our laptops and our phones have so much juice in them that it can run really intelligent applications uh, NLP and voice interactions and even visual and facial recognition systems have evolved to a point. So that's a perfect, it, we're living now in a point of time where these building blocks are uh, all available for us to put together, piece together, and, and come up with more intelligent solutions. And so if you're, if you're an AI entrepreneur and you're lo- looking to solve a specific problems, um, you know, you've never had this easy. I mean, you have this now, this opportunity to take specialized capabilities, piece it together, and go solve a bigger or more specialized problem. And so, I mean, um, it's a terrific time. Uh, You know, uh, there's a a tremendous potential. And I'll tell you this right now. I mean, not because we're running an AI company, but um, I don't think there's any business out there, any enterprise, uh, you know, level company out there that is not focused on AI, uh, it is a extremely high priority for all businesses at all aspects. And it's no longer that uh, exotic, uh, you know, uh, sort of specialized capability. It's a must have. And, and so that's a perfect time uh, for an entrepreneur to go, you know, capitalize on that, uh, on that trend and, and, and build a solution that can be, um, you know, that, that can be tremendously successful, both in value creation and also uh, from a business building standpoint.
1: Yeah, you have an emotionally intelligent virtual assistant. I would love to have 10 of those in my hotel <laughs>
0: business. Yeah, you know. It's hard so, to
1: train someone and not everyone has the same empathy and the voice. I was like, um, can I have that, Brenna?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, as soon as uh, we get uh, these voice assistants that live around us to get to the next level of intelligence. Uh, and that's possible today. Like, you know, so for example, let me give, like, so if I, um, if you just sort of take Alexa as an example, um, or Google assistant or any of these uh, voice assistants, they've become really smart in processing data, right? Because they have this powerful search engine in the back. And they're also really accurate in terms of understanding your language, even multiple accents. And what you're saying part, they got it down. They can convert that into audio, to text, and, and search interesting things for you. But they have no clue about how you're feeling and how you're saying something and what's your state of mind. And, and, and that is the barrier of us really having an intelligent conversation with these entities or having them be a real assistant, right? So if they have to be your assistant, they have to be as close to a human as possible, and without that ability, they're never going to be. It doesn't matter how fast they can search or you know, how fast they can do math or the, you know, uh, you know, how, how good they are in language processing or accent processing. Unless they understand the state of mind, they'll never be uh, equivalent to or delivering on the promise of being a real assistant, and I think that's now possible.
1: Yeah. I love how, excuse me, AI can really get into that customer experience. Like I like to order using AI, like when I call to order my breakfast because it's accurate and they have, you know, order history. And they ask me, would you like to have an extra pancakes? And I love that because sometimes like the human person that would take your order, they're grumpy and they just don't pay attention or asking for the right questions?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, see, as humans, uh, we have a lot of variance, right, depending on what's going on around us, and how we're feeling, and also, you know, even if you look at, like, say, a call center, the agents are very well trained. Uh, They're trained to talk to people in a certain way, and they're also actually trained to key into the state of mind of the, of the client and really understand when the client's, you know, uh, being disengaged or is angry, etc. But the thing is that, you know, when you're doing the same thing day in, day out, and you're now on the hundredth call of the day, um, your brain tunes it out, right? So the client's suddenly disengaged, but you're not catching that um, because, you know, you're not focused on that. And also more importantly, and I think that personally I feel is a lesser of a problem. The other, the bigger problem is that when we're having conversations, naturally for us as humans, our focus is on the person we're having a conversation with, right? So if you're an agent, you're focused on the client. You're focused on, hey, how's the client feeling and how's the client reacting to this? You're not focused on yourself. So if you're you're speaking too fast, you're not realizing it. If you're speaking too slow, you're not realizing it. Or if you're sounding rude um, or disengaged, you're not catching that because your focus is on the other person. And so, you know, some of these technologies that are inward focus, so we're helping the agent to watch out for certain problem behaviors, uh, which they're missing. Not because they don't have the ability to, it's just because they're focused on the client. And you can't be focused on both yourself and the client, right I mean the best amongst us will fail, so I think that's really where I mean you know so I think you know, the things can small things can add tremendous value
1: that's amazing now, Rana, how do you want to be remembered
0: uh i i I don't know if I have uh, a good answer to that um, i'd say um, curious um Potentially, you know, a good friend, um, you, know, um, you know, hopefully live up to the family expectations. Uh, I, think, I think those are important uh, things for me. I mean, they, they all sort of define who I am. Uh, everything else is uh, fleeting. I mean, it changes, uh, but I mean, I think that's, uh, that would be important for me.
1: Wow. Now, Rana, you know, I have two boys and I would tell my boys, like, I need you guys to look for a job that can't be automated, right? Like do maybe Mm -hmm. a plumber or something. What advice would you give to your kids? What kind of work? they?
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll say, I mean, I get this question asked a lot, by the way. So I'm going to give you a cliched answer, which I usually give in my, uh, in my talks. Uh, but, um, there is always that part of do what you're passionate about, which is important, right? I mean, you, you, have, to, you have to eventually, but the thing is that uh, it's hard to really know what you're passionate about. You have to experiment through a lot of different things. You have to go through a lot of different uh, tests to really understand what you're passionate about, your passion changes. Um, and, uh, so it's important to keep an open mind around that, which is like, you know, keep an open mind. You might think you're passionate about this today, but because you've not done this, this and this, or you haven't been exposed to these other things. So you don't know what, what your passion levels might be for these other tasks out here. Mm-hmm. So keeping an open mind is important uh, for us as parents. Uh, we can expose them to that and we can give them a view or insights into some of those things. And kids are typically resistant to that because they're they're like, I got this. I know this is what I want to do. And so, but hold on a second, let's, you know, let me show you this as well. And then you make that choice. So that is all great. Right. Um, But the biggest thing I'd say, uh, biggest lesson I would give to, to kids is to make sure that they're not playing it too safe um, and they're taking the risks uh, that they need to take. Um, If you really look at the entire spectrum of life and sort of who's achieved X and Y and who's more fulfilled and sort of the different life journeys, um, the ones who have not played it safe um, really have the most interesting, the most fulfilling, and also the most successful journeys. But, um, you know, typically as parents, we give the most counter advice, which is like, you know, play it safe, take the safe choice and, you know, do it. this. if you, if you had two different options ahead of you, this is a no brainer, this is full of risk and whatnot. And in general, I think that's the wrong attitude. That's the wrong mindset. Um, So my, my advice is don't play it safe. It's not worth the risk. And uh, so that's, you know, um, that's the message. And if you focus on that, I think, uh, you know, everything else adds up. Uh, life has an interesting way of working out and uh, just don't hold back.
1: I love it. Rana, where can they find you? What's your website?
0: Yeah, so uh, you know uh, you can connect with, with me on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, uh, or go to my webpage. It's myfirstandthelastname.com. So it's R-A-N-A, Rana Gujral, it's G-U-J-R-A-L.com. Um, you know happy to reach out Uh, a lot of people send me some really interesting and exciting ideas sometimes uh, through the contact us page i do get all of those uh, and uh, some exciting interesting things have happened based on that so feel free if you if you want to connect and reach out i promise you uh, you will hear back and we will chat wow
1: love it rana i can't wait to see you next time where is our next trip it's been a while i don't
0: know (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, um, I think we need to plan it. Yeah. Let's, let's get on that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much. And I appreciate you sharing your story. This is amazing, by the way. I I love what you're doing and have a wonderful day.
0: Thanks Kate. Thanks for having me.
1: See you soon.
0: Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And visit katehancock.com so you don't miss out on the next episode.